right, all right, all right. Day 206. Welcome back to the Windows and Mirrors podcast. My name is Keith. And remember, this is a podcast where we're trying to show you that the Bible is more like a window than it is a mirror. We come to it to see through it and to see God, not to it to primarily look at it and see ourselves. All right, so we're in the book of Jeremiah, the last few kind of chapters of this book. So 45 to 48. We pick up uh, in this transitional chapter, right, in the book of Jeremiah, and it's talking about my guy Baruch, right? Remember, Baruch uh, is Jeremiah's scribe. So Jeremiah would dictate the words of God before Baruch, and Baruch would actually write them bad boys down. Now, he was writing everything down that Jeremiah had dictated, and this text is dated historically and chronologically to the moment when Jehoiakim burned all of his scrolls, right? And Baruch, interestingly, Interestingly enough, his name means bless, but it seems as if his life is everything but blessed. Right. And the Lord comes to him and says something very interesting. He says, essentially, if you think you've been having a hard time, think about me. Right. Think about the kingdom that I was seeking to establish throughout the centuries with David and, and Solomon and all of the kings that succeeded them and the city and the temple I had built. And now it's it's being destroyed. And so the grief that Baruch experienced was actually no match for what the Lord was actually experiencing right now. Listen, this didn't this didn't make God feel good to bring the judgment, his judgment against his people. Right. This grieved the Lord. And I think we need to remember that when we go against the Lord's word, when we go against the scriptures, when we do things that God has not called us to do, that it grieves our God, the one who loves us more than anybody else in the universe. And God is just being clear here with Baruch, but he gives him a, a, a line of hope here. He says, no, no, no. Like you're going to be saved, right? You're, you, you're going to receive your life, right? Because of your faithfulness in the midst of uh, your people's sinfulness, right? 46 comes. And uh, as that ends all 46 comes and the rest of it is just judgment, right? <laughs> For the next uh, 46 to 51, next few chapters, he's going to go in on the nations. Now, remember Jeremiah 1 verse 5, right? Jeremiah is not just a prophet to uh, Israel and Judah. He is a prophet to the nations, right? And the first judgment oracle in this text is against Egypt. Right. Egypt, Egypt, Egypt. Now, um, he splits his uh, oracles of judgment uh, in uh, 46. Uh, he splits it up into two kind of waves. Right. So the first 26 verses will talk about the coming judgment on Egypt in 605 B.C. Now, one of the things that gets lost on us, especially in the 21st century, uh, I live in uh, America, at least for the for the moment. <laughs> um, and um, yeah, especially in the individualistic uh, West. Right. Uh, is the. One of the things that gets lost on us is the corporate nature of God's judgment, right? So you see here in this text that God is not just bringing his judgment against an individual for one isolated incident, but against an entire nation. God is not just judging random people, but a nation and an unjust nation at that, right? So he brings it up. Egypt rises like the Nile and its waters churn like rivers. He boasts, I will go up. I will cover the earth. I will destroy cities with their Residents. We even see here in these words the arrogance and pride of the kingdom of Egypt in this time, right? Their plan was to expand their borders by military prowess, and God humbles them by defeating them, right? So he brings this up in his text, and he says, 
that day, right, belongs to the Lord, the God of armies, a day of vengeance to avenge himself against his adversaries. Listen, the sword will devour and be satisfied. It will drink its fill of their blood because it will be a sacrifice to the Lord, the God of armies in the northern land by the Euphrates River. One of the ways God brings his kingdom again is by bringing judgment on the unjust kingdoms of the world. Right. So here we get the interpretation of the judgment that comes on Egypt. The Lord Yahweh, once again, as sovereign over the kingdoms and kings of the earth, exercises his will, saying to it that the wicked aren't exempt from his Wrath. 47 comes and we see uh, similar oracles coming and directed towards Philistia or the Philistines. Remember the Philistines, right, from uh, uh, the, the days of uh, David in particular. Right. And many scholars think that the enemy from the north, once again, he's speaking of again is Babylon. So we talked about Babylon earlier in the oracles. Babylon's going to come against Israel, but Babylon's going to come against Philistia as well right and so they would overflow into philistia and it's spoken of kind of like uh, in flood imagery right remember genesis but not only that he mentions in verse five he says this baldness is coming to gaza ashkelon will become silent hear this remnant of their valley how long will you gash yourself here all of these signs are signs of mourning right and he is talking about the philistines in the area of ashkelon which was a port city right and he says uh, this port city in Philistia will be uh, humiliated. They will be humble. It will be bad. Right. And this actually comes to pass in 604 B.C. when Philistia is brought down. Right. And so Jeremiah, even in this text. Right. Uh, remember, this text has talked a ton. Uh, Jeremiah has talked a ton about false prophecy. Even in this text, Jeremiah shows his authentic prophethood, right? As he's seen in, as it's seen in the fulfillment of the word of the Lord, even, listen, against other nations, right? 48 comes. 48 comes, finally. And um, the final region of this section is the kingdom of of Moab, right? And Moab will receive the judgment of Yahweh as well. And the Lord, listen, the Lord doesn't always tell us why his judgment comes on these nations, but here he actually does, right? Look what he says. He says, because you trust in your works and treasures, you will be captured also, right? Chemosh will go into exile with his priests and officials. And he says this in verse 13, Moab will be put to shame because of Chemosh, just as the house of Israel was put to shame because of Bethel that they trusted in. In other words, the nations were guilty of the exact same thing Israel was guilty of. <laughs> and its chief sin, fam, its chief sin, among others, was idolatry. Hmm. Idolatry. So Chemosh, right, the supreme deity in Moab was the one who Moab worshipped. But this one that they worship couldn't lead them to salvation. I wish I had this. This y'all shouting moment. Right. In other words, the God that they worship couldn't actually save them. But not only that, he he, he gets that. We'll come back to that, too. Not only that, he, he gets to the arrogance and the pride that was present. We see this in verses 29 and 42. Right. That made them ready and fit for judgment as well. Right. And the Lord is just saying, no, no, like anyone who worships a God other than me will not receive the salvation that you can only receive from me. Right. God is super clear that we 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 in our own pride and our arrogance create gods with our own hands who cannot do anything for us. And I love the end, though. He says this. Yet I will restore the fortunes of Moab in the last days. This is the Lord's declaration. The judgment on Moab. Listen, ends here. 
And what the Lord is saying, and this is how the Lord wants to end this thing off. He says, in the same way that the invitation of restoration and hope was held out for Israel, it will also be held out for the nations or the Gentiles as well. God's plan, listen, was not just to save his people. It was to save his people so that he could save the world, right? It's not just for Israel, but it's also for the Gentiles. This is why Paul and the New Testament writers, fam, spend so much time talking about Jews and Gentiles. And what they're trying to say is that God wants the world Right. The world has been given up to the enemy and God wants to buy it back. And he's done so in the person and work of his son, Jesus Christ. My prayer is that you will rejoice in this worldwide plan that the Lord has today. Let's pray. God, we ask for your grace to remember exactly what you're doing on the earth and you're doing it through your people and i pray lord that we will be aware of this that we will be courageous enough to stick with the mission even when it gets tough even when we want to quit i pray lord that your word would uh seep deep into the crevices of our heart and that we would live by every single word that comes from the mouth of god it's in jesus christ's name we pray amen